This feels like a real treat uh, to get to share with you all. Um, And this morning I was really encouraged by the uh, worship because, and the song that Kezia brought, because it was all about hope. And today that's what I'm talking about. So uh, today I'm going to be sharing with you about one of my heroines in the faith. She's not very well known. She's not spoken about a lot, but I love her to bits. And uh, God's been speaking to me about her for ages. And she is an incredible testimony of faith and a great story of hope. And her name is Rahab. So it's Rahab. She's a woman of faith and a great story of hope. Um, Why do I want to talk to you about somebody who lived thousands of years ago in a different time, in a different culture, in a different part of the world? Uh, The reason, tell you what, before I start, Holy Spirit, you're the one that convicts and you are the one that shows us things. Will you, just as you spoke to me and showed me my boxy thinking and blew it up, will you do the same with us today? Father, we want your heart running through us. We want to see with your eyes, and we want to have faith for every single person we meet on the planet. Amen. She's a, she's a hero of mine because Rahab didn't let her past dictate her future. She was a woman whose faith motivated her to be courageous and to go against the flow of her family, her friends, and her city. And she was a woman who took great risks. Rahab also, as you'll find out, had an amazing legacy uh, to many generations. Uh, I found out about her many years ago, but I just love reading about her. And every time I go back to Rahab, I learn something new. It's amazing. I want to explain a bit about the Old Testament because this story is in the Old Testament. The Bible split into two halves and in the Old Testament, God spoke to a specific people group, the Israelites, and God gave them a geographic land that he wanted them to live in and occupy. There was one small problem. Have I got this? Am I creating that noise? that better? Um, There was one difficulty. Other people were living in this land. So Father God was speaking to them, and he gave them unique strategies for battles, for fortifications, and to occupy the cities. I'm going to use the hand mic. Great. Thanks, guys. Um, In the New Testament... Because of Jesus, things changed phenomenally, and God can speak to all nations, all people groups, and his kingdom is no longer geographic, it's a spirit kingdom that extends throughout all the world. So I want you to look at Joshua 2, and Joshua is talking to some of the spies. This place, Jericho, which is where Rahab lived was one of the places that God had spoken to them to go into the land. So it's Joshua 2, and it's verses 1 to 6. Joshua said to the two spies, go and look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. 
the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy on the whole land. But the woman had taken... Oh, I messed out an important bit of information. Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho. So it wasn't unusual for men to visit her house. Uh, but the king knew all about Rahab and her house. Probably illustrates that she was a high-class prostitute in my view. But anyway, he said, the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, the prostitute, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and she'd hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they came from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, I told them to leave I don't know which way they went. If you go quickly, you may catch up with them. But she'd taken them up onto the roof and she'd hidden them under stalks of flax that she'd laid out on the roof. I suspect, given Rahab's profession, that it was not the first time that she had hidden men under flax on her roof. There's also parts of this story that I find totally hilarious. Rahab then went to talk to them, perhaps because she was a prostitute and she'd associated with a lot of men, possibly soldiers. She'd heard about all God had done for the children of Israel, the Israelites. She'd heard about the plagues in Egypt. She'd heard about how the Red Sea had opened and God's people had crossed safely across but how the Egyptian soldiers had drowned. And she said to them, when we heard of what God had done for you, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. She was quite smart, was Rahab. So she then said, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us all from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So then she let them down by a rope through the window of a house, for the house she was living in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers won't find you. Hide yourselves there for three days. Now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord that you have let us down and unless you have brought your father, your mother and all your family into your house. So... Rahab let them down on this scarlet cord. They fled to the hills and life continued on for Rahab and the spies. I think Rahab was a well-connected prostitute. One, because the king of Jericho knew where she lived 
And two, all he did was send soldiers round to request where the spies were. He didn't turn up and ransack her house looking for them. She was incredibly courageous. If the king had searched her house and he had found the spies, she would have been killed and possibly a whole family. She was a woman of faith. She'd heard about these stories about the Israelites and she'd heard about this amazing God who could do miracles. Was it possible that she was looking for an opportunity that when she saw the spies, she realized who they were and ushered them back to her house? What needs did Rahab have which meant that she had the profession of a prostitute? Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides that this is going to be a great career choice. You're going to be mistreated and you're going to be abused in that line of work. It could be that Rahab was a desperate woman and that she was looking for a way out. I also admire how tenacious she was. God might have given her this opportunity. She just happened to find those spies or they happened to find her. But she wasn't about to let this opportunity pass by without seizing it. And she made them swear to Almighty God that they would save her family. I think she was a businesswoman as well because she had flax on her roof and she had enough scarlet cord to lower two grown men from the top window on a wall all the way down to the bottom. I don't know about you, I don't keep that much rope in the house. (laughs) So I think she was a businesswoman as well. And that's also why I think she was well off. So I want you to go back to the story. So remember Rahab. Keep all in mind that I've told you. All the evidence that Rahab has got to cling on to, that those spies are going to remember their promise is this scarlet cord dangling from her window. I would suggest that that cord is symbolic of the promises of God to us. How many times does God speak to us and it seems totally impossible what he said? Or our whole past flies in the evidence of what God said. Um, When we moved to Glasgow... Um, I'm sharing this testimony because Andy shared it a while ago, so I feel liberty to do so. A while ago, after we church planted for a few years, we went through a really, really terribly difficult season. And the result of this was that we were both quite depressed and deflated, but Andy was especially. And one day this really struck me because we got an appointment at the bank And as I gazed across at Andy at the bank, I realized he was a paper bag of a man. And I was like, all the substance has been taken out of him. All the stuffing's been knocked out of him. I tried all I could do. You know how it is with friends or your husband or someone in your family. You try your best to encourage them. I had fasted, prayed, interceded, praised, encouraged. 
I'd fired every single one of my bullets in my rather vast arsenal, but I couldn't fix him. I felt a bit like Rahab. I felt our life is ruined. There's not one stone left on top of another, but we're still standing, which is miraculous, and so are some others. So I thought, right, I can't fix Andy, but I'm going to do something I can fix. And one of the things we needed some help with was our finances. So I thought, right, I can earn us some money. So I started looking for a job, and I went to work for a bank. Daddy God was so good to me. There were signs from him all over the place. Honestly, it got ridiculous. Um, It was hilarious. Everything from job interviews to the first team I was on. Um, God's favour was just all over me. I was was trained, equipped. I was in a great team. I had a great team leader. That turned out they paid me bonuses, which I hadn't realised. So that helped pay our debts off even quicker. Um, and God, and I saw God's favour there. It also got me out of this difficult situation that we'd just been through and helped me focus on something else. Meanwhile, God continued to heal Andy. Turned out I'd been getting in the way. (laughs) I'd been bolstering him up. And actually, God wanted to be the one to bolster him up. God began speaking to Andy, ran to me, and he restored and healed and built Andy up to be more than the man he was before, which is an amazing testimony of God. But can I just say to anyone who's engaged, I don't know, you don't really date anymore, do you? What do you do? Court, date, go out with someone, whatever you do. Can I just say, if you're engaged, if you're going out with someone, if you're married, God does not intend for you to meet all of your spouse's needs. God wants to be the one that meets all of your spouse's needs. I knew I had to trust God to look after Andy. My scarlet cord, which was like Rahab's, was, and it was Matt's song this morning, was amazing. I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And another cord that he gave me was, I will bless my priests with abundance. Those were my scarlet cords that when I was working to the bank and I was leaving Andy all sad, I could go and wave these scarlet cords at God and just remind him what he'd said. Back to Rahab. Spies have left. Months have passed. Rahab's going to this window. If it was me, I'd be doing it on a very regular basis, swinging this cord just in case there was anyone watching out there. Um... But God had his own agenda with the Israelites. He wanted to talk to them about being prepared on the inside and on the out. God wanted to establish Joshua as a leader, and he talked to them about identity, about who they were, 
And as a result, the entire army got circumcised. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. (laughs) What a great battle strategy that is. I can't see any of our generals coming up with this as a great and cunning plan. I know what we'll do before we go into battle. Let's circumcise them all. So we don't know how long it is before they rocked up at Jericho. (laughs) Could have been months. (laughs) I love the Bible because it doesn't edit out bits. Do you know what I mean? Rahab's recorded as a prostitute all the way through. He didn't skip the bit oh, you're going to get circumcised, blokes. I love it because it's all in there, warts and all, everything about it. The other thing that happened is Joshua had an angelic encounter with the captain of the heavenly hosts. That happened before they rocked up. And he said to them, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and valiant warriors. So I thought, blimey, that's the captain of the heavenly hosts telling Joshua that Jericho's got plenty of valiant warriors. Um, While this is going on, Rahab's still waiting. She doesn't know what God's doing in their life. She was just impatient to be rescued. I find it's like that with me and other people. I wonder why they haven't got back to me. If they seem preoccupied or distanced, I think, oh, perhaps I've done something wrong. Or if I'm waiting for something and it's not happened yet, I'm wondering why. It's because God's got his own personal agenda that he's working through in their life, just like he has his own agenda that he's working through in mine. So the Israelites finally returned, circumcised. Joshua is their clear leader. They'd had angelic encounters, and they'd seen various supernatural signs that had accompanied them, and they returned. Rahab gathers all her family into her house. This is it, she says. They've arrived. They swore to me on oath that they would save us if we all stayed in the house. There's going to be a big battle and they're going to rescue us. But you've got to stay in the house. Now remember, her house is in the wall, so she'll have had a good view about what was going on outside the wall. Probably from the same window that the scarlet cord was dangling from. So, but what Rahab didn't know was that God had given them a very unusual battle strategy, one that Rahab couldn't possibly anticipate. Day one, they turn up, the priests are all there, they're blowing the trumpets, they're all in the battle gear, they sort of clunk and march around Jericho, don't say a word, and then they go back to camp. We can imagine the window at Rahab's place would have been packed, what with mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, cousins, great-aunts, granddads. Everyone's peering and wondering what they're doing. And then they clear off. Day two, soldiers turn up again. Priests are there blowing the trumpets, march around the city, don't say a word to each other or to anyone else. Go back to camp. 
They do that for the next five days. What would Rahab be thinking? She wouldn't know what their strategy was. All the family are living with her in a house in case of attack. Remember the promise. They've all got to be in the house if they're going to be saved. No one dare go Tesco's for bread or milk. (laughs) What happens if they're out at the shops and they attack at that moment? They'd be jammed in like sardines in a can. Day seven. Day seven, they turn up a bit earlier than the other days. Same thing. Don't say a word. Blow the trumpets. March around the city. March around the city again. March around the city again. Not saying a word. They do that seven times. By now, that window would have been crammed. What are they doing? I don't know. I haven't a clue. On the seventh time, for the first time in a week, they shout. And the walls of Jericho fall down completely flat. It says there's not one stone left on another. Apart from Rahab's bit of the wall, the only bit that's left standing is the window with the scarlet cord crammed full of rather dusty looking relatives <laughs> can I just say that to the Israelites faith being displayed was the wall falling down flat to Rahab faith being displayed was the wall staying upright Two totally different outcomes, two totally opposite outcomes, but it was the same faith that was working in both eventualities. How scary would it have been for Rahab and her family? The entire wall collapsed. It would have been like an earthquake. There would have been dust and screams, there would have been chaos, there would have been terrible sounds and a terrible shaking, terrible vibrating in the house where they were. And you're looking out on the city you've lived in all your life and the wall that has been impregnable, that everybody's walked on, that has saved you from other battles is completely flat. You're completely vulnerable. Joshua, in Joshua six twenty-five, he told the army that Rahab and her family were to be brought out safely by the same two spies, and all her family and relatives were saved. I just think it's an amazing story. There were two miracles that happened that day. One, the walls falling flat but two, the wall of Rahab's house staying upright. And that spoke to me through all the difficulties we went through as a family and as a church. You know what? Everything else around us, and in your life, you might have seasons where you see everything flat. But do you know what? God's going to keep you upright, even if everything around you is just dust and chaos. He is able to do it. But it doesn't stop it being frightening. 
and it doesn't stop that we don't get covered in muck and dust sometimes and just have to dust ourselves off. One of the things I find fascinating about Rahab is that nobody's ever heard of her. Um, in James 2, 23, it says the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see, it says in verse 24, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. The very next verse says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodgings to the spies and sent them off in different directions. I've heard a lot of people talk about Abraham and what a great man of faith he was, but I've never heard a single talk on Rahab and what a great woman of faith she was. Rahab was a prostitute who was made righteous. Rahab is also mentioned in Jesus' birth line. We've talked here before about the period when we call ourselves, I think, um, I think it was Nick who referred to it as us being angel blind. We'd read the Bible, but whenever we saw an angel, we'd see it as the Lord. And then God started speaking to us about angels, and we started seeing them. And then we saw them everywhere we looked in the Bible. You couldn't turn a page without several angels rocking up in whatever bit of the Bible you were reading. What I suggest is, could it be that we are women blind? We just don't see them. Rahab's also referred to in Hebrews 11. That is a great chapter on the heroes of faith. And guess who's there? Yes, they're the ones you expect, you know, Abraham and all these other guys. But in verse 31, it says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. How did God bless this bold, courageous woman of faith? In Matthew 1.5, it says that Rahab married an Israelite called Salmon. He was of nobility among the Israelite people. Rahab and Salmon had a son called Boaz, who married Ruth, and was known as being an incredible man of integrity. Rahab was King David's great-great-grandma. How fun is that? She was also Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandma. Her entire family line changed from being a shameful profession to being a nobleman's wife, to being of the royal bloodline from her family being ashamed of what she did to being a heroine amongst the Israelites. Remember, Joshua honoured her in front of the whole army and he actually stopped them going into the city until they'd brought out Rahab and all her family. She's recorded in Hebrews as being a woman of faith. 
I don't know about you, but I'm seeing with fresh eyes the freedom that's been denied ladies in the church and the honor and freedom that God's given to us all, actually. For me, this has had massive repercussions. You see, I've been a leader's wife for 30 years, and I've probably had more freedom than most. But over the last few months and year, I've become aware that I want to be more like Rahab. I don't want to be tied to my past. And the best way I can illustrate it is by sharing something that happened to me. It was a while ago, and my great friend, who I love dearly, Jan Treadgold, was sharing in the front on one of our Sundays. And what she was sharing was honest, it was full of integrity, it was a little bit emotional. And on the inside, I was thinking, come on, Jan, get a grip. And this battle started raging on the inside, and I couldn't work out what was going on. I love and admire Jan with all my heart. She's one of my closest friends. Why was I being so judgmental and critical on the inside? It didn't make any sense, and I got really upset about it, and I couldn't understand what was going on. So I went home, and God's so good, isn't he, when you're perplexed about something. Then a few days later, the penny dropped. I realized I have been um, influenced by my environment. I've believed a lie. Women are supposed to be rational, logical, and not emotional in public arena. If women are emotional in the public arena, it's to be treated with suspicion and you need to back off from it as fast as you can. In fact, we're supposed to be more like men than men. (laughs) I realised this meant my thinking towards women had become like a letterbox. If a package was delivered by a man... Oh, this is where having the handhold can be tricky. (laughs) Okay. So if a package is delivered by a man... A man can be, in fact, I love them. I love them when they're emotional. And I loved when Ahab was here, emotional, impassioned, full of, you know, freedom, loud. I also like that. (laughs) It was great. But I have no trouble with a man delivering a package like that. I love it. I absolutely love it. I receive it. I think it's great. It's wonderful. But if a woman tries to deliver a package like that, oh my goodness, she is really restricted. She has to be unemotional. She has to be very, what was I saying before? She has to be logical, rational, no tears. Her package, the letterbox for a woman is considerably smaller than the letterbox for a bloke. When I realised this, I got really upset. Because I thought, you know what? I have become part of the problem. I am not going to be part of the answer. If my attitude towards women is everything has to fit through 
a little narrow slot. How many women are going to be able to get through that? The ones that like men, that's who. The ones that are more men than men. I was like, that's awful. That's not like Jesus at all. Jesus isn't like that at all. That's why I'm sharing with you about about Rahab. What did God do for Rahab? He phenomenally impacted her life. And she was in the Old Testament, where they had even more rules and regulations than we've got now. Although I would suggest, from what God showed me, we've still got lots of rules and regulations. They're just not spoken about. And they're not taught from the front. They're just assumed. I thought, why am I afraid of women being emotional? Jesus wept with Mary and Martha when Lazarus was dead. In fact, he validated their emotional response and their very understandable grief, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And he'd known he was going to raise him for the dead for two or three days previous. So did he turn up and say, stop crying, it's going to be all right? No. The prostitute who poured perfume on his feet and washed them with her tears. Was Jesus embarrassed by her emotional response? Some of the disciples got a bit huffy about it. She could have sold this for a ton of money, you know. Yeah, we could have saved, given it to the poor. <laughs> no, Jesus validated her response and he stated that what she'd done would be spoken about wherever the gospel was preached. One of the reasons could be that I've experienced the letterbox effect myself. You're too emotional, Teresa too controlling, manipulative, you're too strong, too opinionated, too pushy. Now, I am far from perfect. And I have made some great howling mistakes, truly epic ones. But do you know what? Those comments that people said have actually helped me. They've helped me shape me, be more like Jesus And the Bible's clear about we do need to take responsibility for every word we speak and every thought that goes through our head, actually. But if you keep hearing that repeatedly, the results on you can be restrictive. And you feel you're not free to be who God's made you to be. So I realized when I was listening to Jan that I could keep my expectations like they are and stay with this letterbox mentality or I could decide I wasn't going to be dictated to by the past and ask the Holy Spirit to change them. Ironically, it's not wasted on me that I am quite intuitive. I'm a feeler. And sometimes I struggle to put into words why I feel something. I pray, but sometimes I don't know what I'm praying about. I just know I'm to pray and I know when I can stop. Because I know whatever I'm praying about, it's done. And it's finished. And it's been achieved. But I couldn't tell you what I've been praying about. Sometimes I find out later, which is quite fun. 
I'm not reasoned or logical. So I just wanted to say, and this might apply to some guys as well, because it's not just ladies that are restricted to the letterbox. I just wanted to say, forgive me. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you permission to be free in all your glorious God identity. You are free to be beautiful, to create beauty, to be intuitive, to be instinctive. You are free to be prayerful, to be passionate, to be emotional, to be envisioned, to be creative, to be compassionate, to be administrative, to be logical, reasoned, intelligent, pioneers. You are free to be groundbreakers, inspiring, anointed wives. You are free to be outstanding, courageous mothers, fun, wise grandparents, faithful friends that will take a bullet for your friends. You are free to pray for the sick, to see God do miraculous signs that make people wonder what on earth's going on. You are free to be a friend to the unchurched, to the prostitutes, to the lonely. You are free to hear God's now word, to be prophets, to be teachers, taking complex, difficult subjects and making them easy to understand, to be accessible to adults and children. You are free to be apostolic in the church, raising up other churches, and also to be apostolic in business, raising up multi-million pound businesses. So Rahab was taken from being a prostitute and grafted into not just a noble family, but to the very center of royalty, the lineage of Jesus. The Bible honors her as a woman of faith, and it doesn't forget about her just because she's a woman. God's done that for each one of us. God's done that for me. This isn't some deluxe upgrade when we become Christians. There's a shift of cosmic proportions And there's hope for every single lady we meet. God can and has completely changed your life. And God can completely change your family. Just like he did Rahab's. Rahab's family went from being ashamed of her profession to being right in the center of God's people. We've moved from being an outcast to being someone who's crucial to the purposes of God doesn't matter how dire your background, doesn't matter who we meet, what their life has been like. When we introduce them to Jesus, that broken life can be completely changed and they can be built into being their God's son, God's daughter. You are central to God's purposes. All you need is a little bit of faith and a good dose of courage. I was thinking about what to do with this because God really spoke to me quite powerfully about it a while ago. And I thought this was quite useful for two reasons. One, if you think you've got letterbox thinking and you think you've got quite restricted areas, might not just be for women, might be regarding the spirit, if someone's making too much noise or if it's a strange manifestation. Or The thing God spoke to me about, though, 
was that it was women, that I'd got this grid that they had to squeeze themselves through. This also can be like the scarlet cord that Rahab had. You might not feel like the letterbox has been applied to you, but if it hasn't, praise God. But get out your scarlet cords, your words from God, and go and wave them at the window. And do it on a regular basis, even if it seems impossible, even if it seems hopeless. Get out those cords and you shake them. If I was Rahab, I wouldn't have been standing there going, I'd have been there. (laughs) Remember, this was before binoculars. Um, But what I'd like to do is ask any ladies where you feel as though you've been shoved in a letterbox or even you've been shaped by your environment so that you know you have that expectation, I'd just ask you to stand because what we'd like to do is break that off you. Also, any men that have been letterboxed and restricted... I just want you all to close your eyes. I want you to raise your hands to God. God doesn't want to see anyone not free. He sent Jesus so that everybody could be free. So that we could come into the full inheritance that he has got for us as sons and daughters. So yeah, Lord Jesus, we just... We just lift up to you this letterbox thinking. These restrictions that have been put on us or we've put on ourselves that we need to be logical and rational. That we need to be a certain size and that we need to be look a certain way. We need to come across in a certain way. And that we're limited in how we can be. And we have to be very careful when we're at the front or speaking or contributing in any way. And just break off caution and that sense of being restricted. Lord Jesus, we want your whole bride beautiful. We don't want half of it completely developed and the other half not. We want to see your glorious bride in all her glory, dancing joyfully and rejoicing before you. Lord Jesus, we just break off everybody here. Any sense of being restricted, any sense of being contained, or any sense of not being free to be who you've made them to be. I don't want to see any sister of mine, any mother of mine, any daughter of mine restricted in any way, shape, or form. I want them to be the glorious bride that Jesus always intends to have yeah lord jesus your words are much greater than words your words come in power and we just pray that you would break in power these mindsets these shackles these attitudes and that you would bring your freedom in increasing measure lord jesus 
Before we just speak off any word curses that have been put over our brothers and sisters, any things that have restricted them or made them feel less. Lord Jesus, we speak your power and your life into them, Lord. Your power and your life and your freedom. Right, I want you all to face that window and put your arms out. We're going to pray for our sisters and our mothers and daughters that are in the city. We're going to pray for a mighty revelation about women to hit Glasgow and men. God has made us free, but it's not just for us. It's for them out there as well. So I want you to do the same thing. I want you to put your arms out and I want you to speak in tongues with attitude. (laughs) The city. All right. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just want to release over this city freedom for women and freedom to men. Lord Jesus, we don't want any more letterbox thinking that they have to be restricted or it has to come in a certain size or it has to come in a certain shape or they have to look a certain way. I want to see free churches and free women across the city. We want to see freedom break out all over the place. When the rain falls, everyone gets wet. And we want that over Glasgow. We want this freedom over the whole city for all men and for all women. Greater revelation about the freedom you have wrought for us, Jesus. Amen. That feels better. (laughs) Um, So when you hear about Abraham... And what a marvellous man of faith he was. And he was. I want you to read the next verse after. And I want you to say a little thanks for Rahab as well. Because she too was a great woman of faith. And she too was recorded in Hebrews. And I want you to remember this courageous woman who hid spies on her roof. And who'd heard about God. And knew he could do the miraculous. And know he could break into her life. Whenever we meet anyone in Glasgow or anywhere on the planet, there is great hope for them. God can completely change their life around, not just in a little way, but in a massive, total, transformational way. Bless you all. Thank you for your time and your patience. Love you all.